And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, I hope you've had a good weekend. And if you're listening to this, why wouldn't you? Arsenal's men's team are top of the table. A child born after we moved to the Emirates made his league debut. And Arsenal women opened their account with a thumping 4-0 victory. Uh, We'll talk about all those things with our esteemed guests, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. Hello. So as I just mentioned, Ethan Wanieri became the youngest player ever to play in the Premier League at the weekend as he was brought on for the last few minutes of our victory over Brentford, aged 15 years and 181 days. (laughs) Feeling old, guys? Of course they are. Uh, That is less than 15 and a half. So I was just wondering, what were you up to, aged 15 years and 181 days? Amy, what were you doing? (laughs) I'd, I'd say I was probably... Mostly being quite melancholy and morose in my bedroom, listening to gloomy music. Um, <laughs> That's most of us, to be honest with you. But yes. Yeah, but, uh, I did. Uh, I was, I was um, belatedly. Well, I'm not sure grateful is the right word, but producer Abby sent us this um, website where you could calculate exactly, you know, when the date would be, or how old you were, or how many days it needed to be for you to reach 15 and 181 days since your birthday. But that came after I'd spent quite a long time sitting there, old-fashioned, with sort of, you know, pencil and paper, <laughs> trying to work it all out. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I would say is it, it was a really, really interesting period for Arsenal uh, when I was 15 and 181 days. It was George Graham's first season. Arsenal had spent about three months top of the league with a very young, hungry team. Tony Adams was, uh, uh, you know, captain and making great strides. There was uh, a, a lots of football for a young Niall Quinn and uh, David Rowcastle. And who was top scorer? Let me test your Arsenal knowledge, boys, that season. 1986-87. Charlie Nicholas? No. No. Not even uh, close. Uh, who was top scorer? Oh, Lord. I couldn't even begin to... I would have said Charlie Nicholas as well, to be honest okay, with you. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, initials. M-H. Martin Hayes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Martin. Adrian, Adrian. Yeah, he had a but purple patch, basically, didn't Basically, a slight lull, having had a really great start to the season, then everything fell apart. Exactly that point and that date you're talking about. Um, started right. losing tons of games and the salvation took the form of the uh, Littlewoods Cup. Kids, that's what the Carabao... Is it called Carabao these days? Or whatever. Anyway, it used to be... That was a previous iteration. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was about a month exactly before the the legendary comeback of... uh, Well, no, down 2-1 up. Winning at White Hart Lane. It comes to Anderson. Driven first time. It might go anywhere. Rokasol! Arsenal! Are through to Wembley! And all that. 
So, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was kind that of was... where I was. But, yeah, mainly being moody and uh, not talking much to anyone. <laughs> I mean, I think we could have said being moody and not talking much to anyone would be absolutely any 15-year-old and 181 days. And well played for, for uh, Ethan Wanieri for, for um, beautifully being pushed over to take the... Um, take the applause of the fans after the game by Aaron Ramsdale. That was a very sweet moment. Uh, where were you, Adrian, 15 years and 181 days? I, I wasn't so moody, actually. No. I was, I was, oh, I was quite, a, I was quite a lucky teenager. I, I, I was loving life. I, I know what I was doing. I was playing for England schoolboys. <laughs> um, so I was, yeah. Well, I know, that's at... why I was moody, Adrian, because not all of us had that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I looked up the date. I found the date, 28th of March, 1990. The, uh, the Power by Snap was number one. Vogue by Madonna was in the top five. Yeah, I had a big, big quiff. Quite a bit of ac- <laughs> quite a bit of acne, and I spoke. I've heard I've heard interviews with me from that time because yeah because yeah you had to do a few things with the England schoolboys, and I sounded like such a cockney, like unbelievable. It sounded like I was brought up in the East End. It was remarkable. Instead of <laughs> instead of Suffolk, sleepy Suffolk, it was quite remarkable. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we'd played France earlier in March and uh, drew one all, and I had a dead leg when I was 15 years and 181 days, because that dead leg lasted at least two weeks after that game. Um, and yeah, it was it was agony. But yeah, no, so I can kind of remember those times quite fondly. It's good. Uh, Adrian, can you just give us a bit of your best Cockney accent? <laughs> I don't know. Come I on, said, come on. There was, there was an interview. What was it? I said something like, yeah, like, like I wanted to go like, uh, I just want to be a better player. No, one day, one day, I'd like to play for like the senior England team. That would be my like ultimate ambition. <laughs> I think that's what that's that's, that's what I, that's what I'd really like to do one day. Hopefully, it will come off because by the time you're thirty something, it's all over, isn't it? And I sounded just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we clip that? I want to clip that and just play that every week. Well, we want to just try and do a better podcast, like you know what I mean. Maybe do the senior podcast at some point. Nice. I'm slightly worried that I actually do sound like that now. Um, I would, I would have been 15 years and 181 days, um, sometime in August 1978. And I know exactly what I would have been doing. I would have been uh, in my room listening to the just released single "A Bomb in Wardour Street" from the Jam and. Uh, playing it as loud as possible to try and drown out the noise of my parents tearing lumps out of each other. That's exactly, <laughs> I, I can actually say that would be what I was doing any time from about 1974 to about 1980 when I left home. Anyway, uh, Ethan Wanieri was playing football for Arsenal, 15 years and 181 days. Wow. And we'll talk about that. So we have history being made on the banks of the Thames today. The Premier League's youngest ever player comes onto the field, Ethan Wanieri. Brentford nil, Arsenal three. Uh, I think uh, a pretty much a stroll in the park, Ivan Tony, if you're listening. And I don't imagine you are listening, to be honest with you, after your kickabout with the boys uh, tweet last year. Uh, Gabrielle Magalhães did the same tweet this year. It was absolutely marvellous. Um, Amy, I want to come to you first. Two headers for the first two goals. 
particularly the first one, people don't really talk that much about how powerful in the air we've suddenly become. I mean, it's not just William Saliba. It's Gabriel, Thomas Partey. We know that Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, what a great header that was as well. We are a dangerous team from set pieces and in the air. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting as well is that that was a perceived weakness of Saliba's. I think most of the reports that used to come through from his younger years and, and the time that he spent in France on loan was that that, you know, for a guy of his physical stature, he was not actually known for being particularly strong in the air. So whether that's something that he's adding to his game or it just feels like he's in that zone where everything looks so fantastically easy. I, I just, I marvel at that boy. I honestly watch him play and I, 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 I can't believe how much of a difference he's made to Arsenal. And I think when you think about last season, yeah, especially the amount of draws that Arsenal had, you know, especially those games where you thought they just needed to turn th- turn something, you know, into that little bit more. It was the it's the classic thing that a quite good team, where's the difference? What, what wins you or loses you games? It's in the two boxes, generally. And that was where Arsenal suffered most with their, with their vulnerabilities in both boxes or slight inefficiencies in, in both boxes. And two players have come in that have been transformational in that, in that regard so far this season, you know, Saliba at the back. And I don't think it was a stretch to imagine that, that there was a, a alternative universe where he came in. And if Tommy Yasu had been fit for the start of the season, that he doesn't get in yet because Arteta could justifiably have stuck with the same back four as last year, which was well regarded and yeah. you know a good unit. And you cannot imagine Arsenal without Saliba. You certainly don't want to. Anyway, that's how good he is so quickly. And up at the other end, Gabriel Jesus. The thing that occurred to me in that split second that Granite Xhaka is standing over the ball and uh, obviously has that decision to make, what am I going to do? Would he have made that pass last season? Well, for a lot of reasons, no. What first, because obviously he's been liberated by this sort of switch of position. But second of all, because he wouldn't have had that target. No. And he can play that ball because he knows that there's uh, a recipient of the pass of the extremely high calibre of Gabriel Jesus, who is a phenomenal player in the air for his for his size, because as well as all his gifts, he's really a scrapper as well. And he fights like hell for everything. Um, but he's got this precision with it. And it's it's really a very, very heady cocktail. So the pass comes about because he knows he's got a magic player in front of him that can do the business with it. And that just wasn't the case last season. No. And uh, Adrian, uh, on Jesus and that header, I mean, a lot of people were talking about the pass, which was a thing of beauty, you know, because uh, I think it was Pontus Janssen, their defender, is not a small guy, just beautifully over his head. And Jesus... That header was outstanding, was it not? I mean, I mean, I said 2-0 as the ball went over Janssen's head. I thought he's scoring that. But even still, he had a lot to do. It was a really difficult header, yeah, because it, uh, Granit Xhaka has dropped it over a six-foot, three-inch centre-half. Um, so it's, it's literally dropped out of the air. So And he's gone... He hasn't flick-headed it. He's gone back the other way, hasn't he? So he's had to generate a lot of the power with his own neck muscles. And it was a, yeah, it was a phenomenal sort of hang in the air, great, 
power on the header. And yeah, it was it was a thing of beauty, wasn't it? A really, really great goal, a memorable goal. And you know, that's our fourth headed goal of the season. There's only one club that's had more, and I don't want to say their name. Um, but but yeah, so we're we're up there. We didn't we didn't score enough headers previously, but now we look like we're going to. In Gabriel and Saliba, we've got two big threats, haven't we, from set places from set pieces. And Gabriel Jesus, for for, for a relatively small guy. Loves a header, doesn't he? He loves getting involved. Um, before the game, I sort of I, I rattled off a stat and, that shocked me, really. No one's won more aerial duels this season for Arsenal than Gabriel Jesus. Mm. I, mean, I think it's because he just throws himself into so many. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, quite remarkable. I think it's a really telling little observation from the Brentford manager, Thomas Frank, when he talked about Gabriel Jesus and said, essentially, something along the lines of, look, you know, it's great at Man City, but like, look... And sometimes a player just finds themselves somewhere. And I think when you, you know, Arsene Wenger always used to say, you really feel the strength of a player when they play against you. And I think that observations about Arsenal's and Arsenal's players from other teams and other managers can be quite useful in that way to gauge kind of where we're at and what people think. And here's a, you know, honest, uh, a very good manager who's taken a look at, someone like Gabriel Jesus and said, look, he's more than he was before. There's something that's clicked for him. And that whole concept that I think we all had in our heads when you're coming from a club that's been winning the league all the time and you've done all this stuff, how are you going to, how motivated are you going to be? How into it are you going to be? How much are you going to show of yourself? The fact that he's thriving almost more than before, you know, in being the main man, is just an extra. It's like an added extra to 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 the whole deal. Yeah. It seems so far to have been, you know, a really really good thing for for the club and the player. It doesn't always work that way, but certainly the signs are so good so far. And uh, as for Granite Xhaka, Adrian, you mentioned him when we played uh, in Zurich uh, the other day. Um, another outstanding performance. The the crowd singing his name was the captain, by the way, very quietly wearing the captain's armband and felt like he was the right person to be the captain uh, as it turned out. But, you know, I know Martin Odegaard is captain and that's great. But Granite Xhaka was wearing the armband. Uh, Garth Crooks made some sort of quite questionable and weird comments. I don't like Granite Xhaka. I find him confrontational, overly aggressive and, and altogether irritating. He should have left Arsenal years ago. I mean, to be fair, Adrian, that was the view of quite a lot of Arsenal fans. Righty talked about it on Match of the Day at the weekend. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'd say more than half were, would have been quite pleased if he'd have gone at one point. We all had our doubts. I've I've been critical of, of his decision-making, his sort of game management. I've always praised what he's good at because he's, he's an excellent central midfielder that passes well, moves it forward very very smoothly and he's a good person in the dressing room I've, I've always praised him for that but but he's he's had these moments where you can't rely on him where he makes these big errors but he seems to have cut those out of his game that he has been liberated that was a great word from from Amy earlier on um, by this change in position and I was looking at it during the game and I looked at the touch map it was quite remarkable really Thomas Partey Every touch he had, every pass he made was within a 20-yard corridor down the middle of the pitch. He did not move, okay? He he stayed as central as you could get. Didn't get drawn out anywhere. So he was your pillar down the middle. 
And then you had Granite Xhaka and Fabio Vieira playing as very, very wide central midfielders. They they effectively mirrored one another. So Granite Xhaka performed the same role as sort of number 10 style player Fabio Vieira in this game. Vieira to the right and Xhaka to the left. And he did it very well. And what I think stood out, as well as the sort of chances that he created, I think he created three, was his just work rate and ability to sort of get back and, and help out the team when we, when we needed him most. So yeah, it was an outstanding performance from him on and off the ball. He, he's, he's playing brilliantly at the moment. He's absolutely, absolutely undroppable. Yeah, Amy, in terms of uh, Granite Xhaka, the thing that I noticed about him was there were moments when he, he got the ball, he got given the ball in quite tight areas with players around him. And he seemed to, I know it's mad to say, essentially be a, a calming influence on the team because <laughs> the ball comes to him and he suddenly plays it into a lovely bit of space to one of our central defenders moving forward. And suddenly we can move up the field. Uh, it's it, It's... He's like a different person altogether. Or was he always that guy and we were just playing him in the wrong position? Mm, now, there's a question. Um, <laughs> look, it, it, it was that thing that you had with him where you'd see him play for Switzerland sometimes, yeah. especially in big tournaments, and be like, Jesus, wow. who's this? Like, I know. After watching him week out. And, <laughs> you know, it's almost remarkable that it takes, what, five years or so for, for sort of maybe some pennies to drop. But... Maybe the role that, that he was given when he first arrived, that he got kind of pigeonholed and stuck in, was, was never the right one for him in, in Premier League football or, or maybe anywhere. I don't know how much he played defensive. I don't think he was really a defensive midfield player He's before. Not. I think he was more of a box-to-box and, and uh, a bit more forward-minded. And, you know, that number 10, I, I might be wrong, but does he not wear number 10 for Switzerland? I, he I absolutely might. can't remember. I might be imagining it, but... You know, he, he um, he's a complex player for sure, but I think there's something sort of, you know, I can see how there are some people who will still never find it in them to change their mind about him. But when you hear the whole away end serenading him like that, and you can, you can see what it means to him because he knows how it is to have felt probably very alone in terms of his... Uh, his sentiments about being an Arsenal player. And at times it, it must've been quite hellish really. And okay. Some of it's brought on by himself, but he's never shied away from getting out there and trying to, to do a job uh, apart from that moment where he felt he couldn't play after the, the incident. But um, I, I think he probably thought that that would never be possible. I wonder what it's like in a dressing room. I mean, Adrian, you, you must know what it's like at, ver- at sort of various levels of the game when it's obvious certain players are really, really popular and other ones go quite unnoticed. You know, is there jealousy? Do people just accept it for what it is? You know, certain people have songs, certain people don't. Certain people's songs are more popular than other people's songs. I mean, is is it <laughs> is it a thing? You know, uh, probably just... A, not, I wouldn't say it's something human, that... You'd, 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 You'd want to be popular and admired and have some connection with you know that's direct with the people around you. Yeah, definitely. Adrian, yeah, you, you were massively unpopular, weren't you? I mean, let's be fair. So, how did that feel? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, no, I never quite stuck around long enough to get a song. Um, but the um, 
yeah, it matters, I think, to each individual, but it's not something we used to talk about, I don't think. No. There's probably a little bit of envy from from certain people towards others that, that were getting more love. I think when it really hits down, probably the, the time when you you do talk about it is actually when a player's getting stick. You sort of have to sort of rally around those players and say, look, don't listen to them. You know, we know we know how good you are. That that kind of thing, and that's that's what a manager and coach and and some of your teammates would always always do. And I'm sure they did that with Granite Jacker to some to some degree because it can be a very lonely place inside your own head, can't it? Because we, you, we, we most of us are built the same, and as in that people could say, you know. 95 great things about you but you'll remember the five negatives won't you and you that, that, that they're they're the things that will stick in your mind and I think footballers are very much like that there's a little bit of not paranoia but but yeah sensitivity and and the best players are the ones that can sort of be aware of it and not let it get to them and uh, and I'll credit Granite Xhaka for for not letting it get to him too much I think it did for a while and he came through it didn't he so well, well done to him it's um yeah it's, it's, it is absolutely fantastic to see what he's he's delivering at the moment and uh yeah he's, he's I wasn't sure he could play this advanced role he absolutely can and he can do it brilliantly um do you think with players that they care more about what their teammates think than what the fans think if that makes sense can I can I chip in here and just say that everything you said about players I would say the same about stand-up comics by the way, that 95 positive comments, they just have brushed aside. But the one negative one, you, that'll, you'll hold on to that forever. And if we are going with the same analogy, comics definitely care more about what their fellow comics think about them. Uh, so I imagine players are much the same. I, th- I think so. But at the same time, it, 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 is, it is important to get to get that love from the fans because it makes your it's the same as a comic I would imagine it make, makes performing because that's what you're ultimately doing it makes performing that much easier and more enjoyable and more fun if you know people are on your side if you go out there knowing from the outset that the first time I muck up here they're going to be on my back it, it fills you with caution yeah. and, 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 and it's, it's, and you're more wary, I suppose, in a, if a comedian, you'll, you might worry about telling a certain joke. Um, so yeah, it's a similar, <sighs> it is a similar thing. Of course you want the audience or the crowd on your side, but in terms yeah. of, in terms of your self-esteem, yeah. the respect from your fellow professionals is sort of what stays with you really. I, I think so. Although, yeah. And yeah, I do. But ultimately, you are individuals within a team. Yes. Um, and and yeah, if if a manager, for example, this is this is where what would go on in my head if I was getting stick, I would be thinking, what's the manager thinking? Is he going to react to that? Is he being influenced by by the voices of those around? And then that can that can dent your confidence even more. So, yeah, to 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 experience it is not good, but to come through it and be even better. Is seriously impressive, and and that's why I've got huge respect for for Granit Xhaka. He's uh, he did wear number ten at the Euros, by the way, and uh, he's like I say, he's looking like the the Granit Xhaka who plays for Switzerland. Which, by the way, we always said if you get the willing runners around him, and and you get the Granit Xhaka who plays for Switzerland in our team, we have a player there, and it's obvious that we do. Um, Fabio Vieira got a goal, a debut goal. Amy, uh, uh, Gabriel Martinelli said he's been practicing that shot every single day. So it's not 
luck. Um, I mean, he did look comfortable, didn't he? It's hard to judge, isn't it? But, you know, Brentford, they seemed a bit becalmed for the midday kickoff. We we obviously were on top of them. He had quite a lot of time and space because of the fact they had Thomas Partey and Granite Xhaka playing as well as they did next to him. But he um, he stepped up quite easily, didn't he, really? Yeah, but why shouldn't he? I mean, you know, if you're it's a really good Premier player... League. Was... Oh, come on, Ian. <laughs> Don't start you know, with I... that. No, 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 no. Listen, if you're a really... <laughs> What are you going to do? Thierry Henry? Oh, it's the Premier League. Oh, Dennis Robert Pires took a while. Well, not that long, really. It wasn't no. It wasn't like a year. It was like <laughs> two, three months. I just think, uh, you know, and also bear in mind, he has actually been here for a while because he was signed relatively early. Just So he's had sort of quite good settling in time. Um, one of the things I do said about him when he first brought him up, with the great enthusiasm, was he talked about his character and personality and he was like... Like like he's someone who walks into the dressing room with a, uh, what's the right word? Not authority, but with a kind of, you know, with an ease and a confidence. And I think if, you, if you're confident in your ability and you know you've got it, it gives you that little something to walk into an envi- a new environment and not feel overwhelmed. Uh, and I think he got into it in that regard straight away. He's become quite an important player in the, in the camp, even though he hasn't had that many minutes yet. Um, I remember Tony Adams always saying that when he was 17 and he walked into the dressing room and he was like, acted like a captain to season pros, like, all right, how was your weekend? You know, like, they almost couldn't believe this upstart was sort of, who who is this kid? You know, like talking to us with this authority. And I think that Fabio Vieira does have a sort of certain charisma uh, in the way that he carries himself. And I don't think he's someone that the club anticipated would be phased by coming into the team. I think it was more about, you know, how people will still look at him and see that he's slight and wonder if in some of the more intense physical in- encounters, how he's going to uh, going to cope with maybe more more heavy bumps and bruises than he would have been used to. But he's clever. I think he's going to try and avoid, you know, <laughs> sort of being a target of heavy contact because he's got clever feet, fast feet, a quick brain. And it helps that he came into a team that is playing well, it's top of the league, players around, you know, to have Thomas Partey come in uh, and have Granit Xhaka as the kind of, you know, compadres in midfield. That's a big help as well. Adrian? It was a great goal, wasn't it? Lovely left foot. He's got got a very sort of... um... Delicious left foot is how I described it on social media, and that's kind of how it is because it, I think he can he can he can ping them like he did with the goal, and and he can caress the ball as well really really nicely. And we saw that with that that lovely pass to release Nketiah out out in Zurich. So so yeah, he's he's a good player. I think like a, the hurly burly games. This was quite a tame match. Um, I think uh, in a North London derby, for instance. There'd be a danger, I think, at this stage of his development that he could get knocked around a bit. But we'll have to wait and see, see if, see if Erdegaard comes back in. But no, it was a good performance from him. I, th- I thought the first two minutes, after two minutes, I knew we'd win the game. I knew we'd win it easily. It, it, we just completely controlled it and we made it our type of match and we stopped Brentford from m- making it a battle. That chance that Martinelli scuffed after two minutes came on the back of a sort of passing sequence that lasted around a minute. Mm. It was quite remarkable. And in that first two minutes, I think they had about four touches, Brentford, 
we we set our stall out right from the word go and yeah, I love it when we do that I love these fast starts it, it puts everybody at ease and one other thing tactically before we move on that I wanted to bring up when I talked about Xhaka and Fabio Vieira playing sort of central wide midfielders you've obviously got White and Tierney out wide as well and Martinelli and Saka um, so what we saw in this game was actually Martinelli. I don't know if it was something they talked about or if it was something he did off his own back. He just wandered more than I've ever seen him wander. He didn't stay on the left. And his touches are equally spread right across the corridor between kind of the 18-yard box and the halfway line from left to right to middle. He was the guy that actually played as a marauding number 10 in this match. Um, and I think... It's a role that he can do. I really do. So, um, yeah, it was just an interesting change tactically because normally Martinelli is fairly fixed. It's that sort of left side, second striker position. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Ethan Wanieri, 15 years old and 181 days, replaced Fabio Vieira. Um, I mean, as a youngster coming into a team, Amy, obviously, I mean, I mean, it, it speaks a lot, doesn't it, about Per Mertesacker's work you know, he's been chatting to Mikel Arteta about this kid. And Mikel Arteta said, we're 3-0 up with five minutes to go. He thought he'd bring him on. It just means that if you're a kid at Hale End and you're playing, you know there is a path to the first team for you. Well, I do think it was quite a remarkable venue, let's just say, or scenario for his debut. You know, you think about the majority of the young players coming through and their their first touches, their first goes tend to come in, you know, the League Cup or maybe a Europa League group game. And actually, you know, away from home in the Premier League is probably quite an unusual place to get your, your first taste for for someone especially so young. I mean, just incredible to think that he didn't even get changed with the players, um, you know, because of, uh, <laughs> no. you know, child child welfare and safety that he had to get changed separately and then go and join them for the team talk. You know, just... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But um, I think when you, have you seen the clip of his goal that he scored on his debut for the 18s? No. Uh, he scored an absolutely marvellous goal. I mean, just, you know, there's just a bit of panache and swagger that, you know, is eye catching. But, it, you, you know, it's, it's also sim- sort of a symbol of, of what's going on that, you know, within, I think, minutes of that appearance, kind of hundreds of fake Twitter accounts. Sprouted up, proclaiming to be him, and you know you laugh him, but it's actually not funny at all. No, you know? it's for a young for a young player. I mean, you you Google his name this morning, and we're talking the morning after the day before, and there's really not a lot up there. There really, you try and find out where he was born on the internet on a search, it just says England. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's really. He's come from, you know, virtual obscurity to being beamed all over 187 territories in the world or whatever it is that take the Premier League overnight. And actually, I think he's going to need a little bit of care and uh, looking after. Because it does, it does feel like he's in good hands, doesn't it? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Abso- I'm, I'm not saying he isn't, but I'm just saying that we have to be very mindful. Like, even when he makes his next appearance, let's say he's, uh, you know, he's part of the squad, and he was really part of the squad because of the, you know, the number of injuries. Yes. And it's a slightly abnormal situation. I think if more players had been fit, then he probably wouldn't have made that bench. 
So it was a kind of beautiful set of circumstances that aligned for him and for Mikel. And I think it's a sort of feather in the cap. It's a it's a quite cool thing to have. Look, you know, the youngest player ever to play Premier League and it's an Arsenal player, you know. Um, and it, it, I, I don't know, I mean, even Mikel seemed slightly at a loss. He's a very logical man to, but to explain exactly why he selected him it was like well I had this feeling in my gut you know it's a, there's something about it that's quite unusual you know, he could have easily stuck on Rob Holding or you know whatever or, or for the last couple of minutes or anything but he was like no nah, I'm gonna go for the for the for the 15 year old yeah yeah these kind of things can, can just be born out of one simple conversation between Mikhail and Pear maybe one of his coaches just having a chat about him and off the back of that, he can jump from the 18s into the first team just like that. Well, let's let's try him out then. Let's give yeah. it a go. And and, and that's how it, it, they probably have. There's no, nothing planned about this. I think it might have just been a case of well, let's let's get him in with the team this week. And when he was with the team, he obviously didn't look out of place. So they decided, well, let's take him because of the circumstances around around the uh, the around the injury. So it's it's a lot of good fortune. I mean. I feel a little bit sorry for all the kids that are 16, 17, 18, 19 that are doing the hard yards at London Colney or at Hale End. There'll be so much green envy inside of them today. But they'll also be chuffed that one of their owners has been given a crack. I mean, yeah, I I, I was a little bit dumbfounded myself that, that someone of that age would would be elevated so quickly to the first team. But but good luck to him. Uh, from the clips I've seen, I haven't watched him in the flesh before. From what I've seen, yeah, he looks a really gifted young player. Um, a little bit special. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch his progress with real interest. I suspect he'll he'll come back out and they'll, you know, we won't, I don't think he'll be a permanent fixture in the, in the first team squad. They'll look after him. Um, but, yeah, he's clearly someone that's going to play a lot more for Arsenal's first team and it's exciting quite um, you can read a little bit more about him Art De Roche has written uh, on uh, Wanieri for The Athletic so if you want to find out a little bit more um, he's done a little bit of digging for all of us uh, next game of course is the uh, North London Derby on the 1st of October at the Emirates that is going to be some atmosphere and we are going to build up to that and uh, talk about that in the next week or so. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark on Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast. Uh, Adrian, Arsenal 4, Brighton nil. It was ladies' night. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I and, know. <laughs> um, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, listen to last week's podcast. 4-0. Um, Adrian, you went to the game. Uh, Did? I mean, it was a good weekend for Arsenal women, wasn't it? Because Chelsea lost in their oh. first game, which is a really big result. 
for us. And then for us to win uh, 4-0. I mean, sell-out crowd at Meadow Park. It's, um, mm. it's a good start. Yeah, it was good vibes. Yeah, it was a really special evening, actually, to see the stadium so full. Um, wonderful tributes to Maria Petri before kickoff, 15 minutes before. Almost everybody, I would say, got there deliberately early to be part of that. They'd, they'd, they'd got the message and there was a you know rousing minutes, minutes applause for her before we had the silence around the Queen. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was great to broadcast. We had Righty on before kickoff. We had Beth Mead post-match. It was, yeah, it was just a really good evening. The match itself was a procession. One of the Brighton defenders was the last player, tripped up Black Stenius and, and had to go. So, uh, yeah, it was it was incredibly one-sided. 38 shots to three, 27 shots to two 30, from inside the I, box. Do they, me- <laughs> do they measure the XG in the, uh, in the women's game? They do, yeah. It was, it was uh, between three and four, but wow. it could have been anything. For 14 shots on target. Ten of those shots on target came in the second half. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was really impressive. I think in the first half they were a bit frustrated because Brighton clearly had regrouped and put put everybody behind the ball. But in the second half they wore them down. There's some great movement, really good standard, I have to say, of pass and move football. Um, yeah, I was I was seriously impressed, and and the bench was so strong as well. Top names coming off the bench, top international players coming off the bench, and and the team wasn't weakened one bit. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, I was highly impressed. And you had a chat with Wrighty as well. I mean, I mean Wrighty, Amy has been such a big supporter of the women's game. You hear the way he talks about it. He's not he's not putting it on, is he? I mean, he cares deeply about it, and he uh, and he wants it to uh, to get better. You see, Wrighty is someone who understands what it is to be an ally and what it means to have an ally. And I think for someone of his stature to align themselves so positively, so emotionally and so completely to the women's game so respectfully, he knows he's doing enormous work and he's a very powerful voice to be lending his support to the women's game. Yeah. And you had a chat with him, uh, Adrian. What was he saying? Yeah, well, we just well, we, he spoke very nicely about Maria when she went to the, the players and the club. And he was talking about last season. She couldn't believe, he still was smarting from that defeat to Birmingham City, which effectively cost Arsenal the the title. But he was very confident that this could be that this could be their year. I think, I think he just loves going to watch the team. He's full of admiration for, for the players. And they love him. Be? They love him. Yeah, they as well, love. Don't they? Of course, they do. Yeah, they really do. I think. I think Amy's bang on there in terms of him being an ally. It's a very powerful message to send out, to send around. And um, he was just there, as far as I know, just there to watch, as he as he almost always is. And he stopped by kindly to have a, have a little chat to us pre match. It was great to great to see him get a little cuddle off. Right, he's always always lovely. Um, and Beth Mead was great <laughs> we as well. It. Two goals and an assist for her on the opening night. She came over. There's a real and connection between I, them, by the way, isn't there? Righty and Beth. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And they they do love uh, Mido over at Meadow Park. All I kept hearing was Mido. Um, and, and she was loving that. And and yeah, afterwards I said, look, decent start to the season for you. Two goals and assists, not bad. She was like, yeah, but I should have had three or four, really. Um, we, we probably, I know we've won 4-0, but... I think we could have got a lot more. And it was it was just that attitude, that sort of winning mentality of, of pushing and pushing and pushing. You've got to admire that. Um, so, yeah, no, it, was a, it was a really good night. And 
got to say, Jordan Nobbs off the bench was brilliant. And Lena Hertig, who came in from Juventus this summer, came off the bench and was was good as well on the left side of the attack. Uh, created a couple of chances and didn't misplace a single pass. Uh, 17 out of 17 passes for, for her. So, um, yeah, it was um, yeah ticks all round for the Arsenal women team. And the next game is uh, also a North London derby at the Emirates. Over 40,000 tickets sold, by the way. Um, I mean, if we can make that a sellout, that would be really something. But this, this is, by the way, is happening all over the world. I was reading about in America and the uh, the massive crowds for the women's game, for the just the, the uh, league games in America as well. So uh, this is uh, something very, very positive. Uh, so get down to the Emirates next uh, Saturday for Arsenal v Spurs. Let's have uh, a song before we go. Adrian, I'm going to come to you first. Because uh, after last week's effort, I can't wait right. to hear. <laughs> well, this one, I think I've, I think I've, I've, I've struck the right tone. Hopefully, um, it's a song called "Kickabout." Because <laughs> yes. uh, we had a nice kickabout with the boys uh, at the at the GTEC Stadium, didn't we? And it's by Teenage Fan Club. So look, we've got the two. We've got Ethan Wanieri uh, and his Teenage Fan Club, and we've got Kickabout. Um, if you haven't heard the song, basically it was on the Euro '96 album um, of, fo- of sort of football related songs. It's Hey Everybody. It's like, hey, everybody. And it just goes on for about three minutes. But it's called Kickabout. It's by Teenage Fan Club. It, it fits the bill, I think, of what we saw at Brentford. Euro 96, 11 years before Ethan Wanieri was born, by the way. <laughs> I just love those sort of stats. Amy, what have you got? Well, it's also uh, uh, a song dedicated to Ethan Wanieri. Um, but it's also slightly more broadly dedicated to uh, Vinny Jr. Um, And what he's gone through in the last week uh, is sickening and the um, solidarity shown by the likes of Gabriel Jesus messaging him and dancing to honour him was important. Um, So I'm going for Young, Gifted and Black by Nina Simone. And I think that, you know, we talked about allies it's about time that, well, it's overdue that we're all making sure that these conversations keep being had and that people who are peddling such disgusting nonsense can't keep getting away with it unchecked. The scenes from Atletico Madrid were grim. And, uh, yeah, um, it makes me really proud as an Arsenal fan, as it always did back in the 80s when Thomas and Davis and Roe Castle and what have you were making waves as sort of young, gifted, inner London black guys and then Wrighty coming along and doing his thing, Kev Campbell, etc., all the way through to today. And as a 15-year-old lad who's clearly massively gifted, you know. Um, like I said, I tried to find out where he was, where he was from to assuming he was going to be another London lad, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, but just wishing him all the best and... Looking forward to seeing in a you know in a relaxed way, no pressure, what he's what the future holds for him. Well, 
Well said, Amy. Um, I'm uh, I'm having um, I'm having a Beatles uh, track. Uh, it's getting better all the time because it is, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's really a lovely time to be a gooner at the moment, and long may that continue. Um, that's it for Handbrake Off. Thanks to uh, Adrian Clark. Thanks to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, listener, for listening. Uh, I was going to say enjoy the international break, but there's the uh, North London Derby for the women next Saturday. We'll see you uh, soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.